If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Anna Dimmel. I am so happy you're joining us today. Today we're talking all things church, and I'm going to dig into this from my own background, from being that kid that was in the pew every time the church doors were open, to eventually being a pastor, serving every time the church doors were open, to now being someone on the outside. Whether you've been hurt by the church, whether you love your church, whether you are on the outside wondering, where do I even belong? Should I switch denominations? I don't even know what I'm doing. This episode is for you. Before we dig into the episode, I have to thank every single patron of this show. You guys, I love you. And I know I say it every week, but I'm saying it again. You guys are the blood behind this work. And I am so thankful for you. Every single time I sit down to record, I think about all of you and my heart just gets so full. Thank you. Thank you for the support that you give me and the encouragement you give me by supporting me that this is a worthy work. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon, you can learn more about how to do that on my website, justajesusfollower.com and click on the button Patreon. I cannot wait to dig into this topic. Here we go. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. We are talking all about church, and this topic can bring up such a wide range of emotion when you say that word. And when people ask me, should I still go to church? Should I still engage in church? Is church even necessary? Gosh, it is such a loaded question. And coming from my background where I grew up, spending every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and any other day that the church doors were open in a church, to then going into leadership and ministry and being a pastor and now exiting out of the whole scene, I have a lot of different perspectives on this question. And so I want to kind of tackle this topic and dig into this with you, especially since right now in so many denominations, People are wrestling out different theological debates. They're wrestling out political views. They're wrestling out certain interpretations of scripture. And it is causing so much emotion and division. And a lot of people are finding themselves scratching their head like, is what is the point of doing this every week? Why are we here? So starting from my background, I I loved church growing up, and a lot of that had to do with, most young people probably would feel this way, my social group was there, my friends were there, the boy I had a crush on was there, all of the people that were in my social circle and community were in my church. 
Now I was homeschooled and then eventually went to a small private school. And so I didn't have much opportunity for social networking as a kid outside of church. So that probably pushed my desire to be there, but I loved it. I loved going to our groups that we had and our little book studies and children church with the flannel graphs, right? Like I loved all of it. And especially, like I said, my friends, I loved seeing my friends. And it's interesting how, as you grow up into adulthood, a lot of those same reasons apply, right? Like I still, when I think back on my highlights in church through all the different phases of my life, I felt such community and friendship at church. That was where my tribe was. That was where my community was. And so of course I wanted to volunteer. Of course I wanted to be there every weekend. And of course I wanted to be a part of the heart of what was happening because these were my people. These were the people I did life with. These were the people that I invested in. And so when you move out of that space and you go into the space where I ended up in a leadership role, it's funny how a lot of that starts to shift. When you are just attending a church, having close friends and making close friends and confiding in each other, totally normal. But when you then take a role of a pastor, and where I did at the end of my ministry career, in a senior interim pastor role, your network of friends drastically is reduced because you are now not their friend, you are their pastor. And that was a hard transition. And you look to other pastors to be your friends, if you will, of which I had. But it's just not the same. You're not doing the every day in, day out with your friends anymore. You're kind of in this lonely space of leading. And as I've shared before, I loved that. I loved being a pastor. I loved, um, I don't even know what the right words are, because it's not like actual counseling that you do when you're a pastor. It's spiritual leadership, or I don't know what title you want to put on it, but I loved that role. I loved sitting down face-to-face in my office with people and listening to their stories and walking through hard stuff with people. I loved it. When I was a youth pastor, connecting with those kids in that youth group brought me life. Like I loved it. And you know, it was funny. The youth group that I pastored, it was like 80% boys and I'm a girl mom and I'm a girl. And so my point of reference was like nowhere to be found, but I fell in love with these kids. Like these kids became my kids. I adored them. And when I ended up leaving that church altogether, you know, the part that I grieved the most were those kids. I formed such a community with those people. It was a family thing. Every Wednesday night, it felt like I was seeing my family. Um, So I have a lot of mixed feelings on my perspective now because I feel like I'm looking at it through so many different lenses. But to someone who would ask me, what is church for? Why, Why do people do this? What is the whole reason people come to church? Well, the correct answer in that I was trained to say growing up and reiterated and trained again to say as a leader. And then of course I would have to say as a pastor is this is where you grow your faith. Being in a church community is where iron sharpens iron and you learn from a teaching pastor and you grow together as a community all with a centralized focus on your faith. Now in a more like, 
coffee shop type conversation if you asked me why do people go to church every Sunday? I think I would have given this answer years ago and I would still give it today. People go because that's where their friends are. People go because that's where they belong. Everybody wants a sense of belonging. And for church, that it's built on that, that it provides a platform to build community. That is one thing that churches do so well is that they build community. I think the tricky part comes into play when you realize that your community is built on an agreed, centralized statement of beliefs. And the problem comes in when people within that group start to think differently or question or maybe disagree. When that comes into play, this whole thing that people love about community and friendship and connection starts to unravel. As I've shared on this podcast so many times before, that was my situation. As soon as I became vocal about the things I had been wrestling with behind closed doors, which all really happened once I stepped into a pastoral role, and I really was studying, not that I hadn't studied scripture before, but you know, when you're teaching scripture, you really want to make sure you're getting it right. And the amount of studying and the amount of researching and the amount of learning that I invested into that definitely increased. But truth be told, I've been studying scripture since I was like eight. And I fell in love with the text of the Bible when I was 11. And so I, from cover to cover, had read that thing, memorized the thing, and now was teaching the thing. But when you step into teaching, you really start to critically think about what you're saying. At least I think you should. And you start analyzing and questioning, okay, why am I reading it this way? Is this the way it's supposed to be read? Or am I just projecting the way it's been projected onto me? And so I really did a lot of digging and I, and especially when I was a youth pastor, you know, those kids are going to hit you with some tough questions and the rehearsed answers didn't work for them. They wanted the real gritty truth of it. And truth be told, I didn't always have all the answers. Not because I didn't know what the answers were supposed to be. I knew those. But when you put the rehearsed answer into applicable real life that these kids were in, the answers didn't always measure up. And so I went through a long season of soul searching before I ever came out, if you will, with my evolved ways of thinking, with my questions, with my raising my hands and saying, um, I don't really know all the answers. That that was when I began seeing the reality of what these relationships in church really looked like, at least the ones that I had. So for many people, their church offers community. Their church offers a place of belonging. And I think that is a beautiful thing. And when I think about how Jesus lived his life, it mirrors that, right? Like he invested in people. He connected with people. He he loved people so well. He ate meals with people. He sat in life with people. So much of Jesus's story was showing up in people's crisis or showing up in people's every day and like mixing it up a little bit or just sitting there with them or being an added companion in the journey. 
this is what people who connect with God, whether you call it, I'm connecting and praying to Jesus, or I'm connecting with the spirit, or I'm connecting with the divine, whatever title you put on it, most people will say that that's the experience they're pulling from is this camaraderie of friendship, of feeling known and feeling seen. And I think the perfect model of the church should echo that if we're going to call it Christianity, if we're going to call it something based on the life of Jesus, it should echo that. And I think for the most part, churches really try to do this. But like I said, where it gets hairy is when everybody doesn't agree or everybody doesn't align or everybody doesn't sign the dotted line of X, Y, and Z, right? That's when things get tricky and that's when relationships start to break down. Because of that, There are so many people that come out of church experiences with so many scars. And I imagine some of you listening, that is your story. That's been your experience. And it's gut-wrenching and hard and painful. And I'm so very sorry to all of you listening who you went through that. You went through building, loving, connecting, having a community to them being excommunicated, to being outcasted, to them being forgotten. It's devastating. Nowhere in Jesus's life did his journey look like that. And I think that that is where church has gone wrong. Most of the people that Jesus collected along the way tended to be people with very different backgrounds, with very different points of views and very different job vocations, which gave them very different personalities. And I can't help but think that there was purpose in that. Not only did Jesus appreciate diversity, which I think is like a number one takeaway. I love that so dang much. But I think he was showing the world that was watching and that would for generations to come continue to look back on this portion of history and watch is that we see that a group of different people with different backgrounds, with different stories, with different personalities and probably different sets of beliefs, if we really dug into it, that they all could really get along and love each other and commune together and eat meals together and do amazing works in the name of Jesus Christ, whether it be healing the sick or feeding the hungry or ministering to the poor, whatever it may be, they were able to unify on all of those things. And the connection and love between them was deep and real. Somewhere along the line, we decided that church couldn't include much diversity. And I think that's why you see so many different denominations. Um, Because, well, like-minded people do gravitate towards one another. I don't know that that's inherently wrong. But I think when you surround yourself with people who all agree with you, the, the lens you see the world through will become very narrow. For whatever reason, I never... Um, got into the narrow lens so much. I I really enjoyed diversity and I, I knew what the majority would think and do, but I kind of liked skirting the outsides of that for most of my life. I, as my mom and dad would say, she is all about the gray. And I always likes to talk about the gray, right? You know, this world of of faith and religion and church and all of that, that can be so dogmatic with black and whites. And Anna, has always been all about the gray. I I love finding the gray and getting messy in that space. I think now, looking back, 
I feel such grief over the amount of years that I invested in groups of people that I now no longer am connected to at all. And that makes me so sad because I think this is not the Jesus story. This is not what churches should be. I'm not saying I have a perfect answer of what a church should be, but I I can tell you it shouldn't be that. I find it sad that so many people that find themselves in a familiar space, like I'm describing, they go on into the next chapter of their life, either looking for a different church or throwing out the idea of church altogether. Either way, they're scarred from investing in people. Either way, they take away from that experience this mistrust of humans, this mistrust of humans specifically titled Christians. They mistrust the church. And they go on with this guarded, I'm not going to get close to anyone again attitude. And I can't blame them. In my journey, I tried after I left um, the evangelical space and I tried my time in a Methodist church for a while and it was very healing for me. I knew the pastor, so that felt somewhat safe. And although she tried numerous times to get me to guest preach and whatnot, I refused. (laughs) I did I did lead communion once, but that that was it. The rest of the time, I was happy to just sit in the back and not talk to or connect with anybody. I didn't want to. I had gone through what felt like trauma. It and it does. It feels like trauma when you have been and we talk a lot on the show about the psychology of being tribally minded. So it's it's hard when you've gone from being in a tribe to them being rejected and pushed out of the tribe. It, it it sets off so many alarms inside your being that are survivalistic that cause you to then think in survival fight or flight terms. And that's where I was. It was fight or flight for me at that time. And I didn't really want to fight. I wanted to flight. <laughs> so I would just sit in the background and feel happy that I was attending somewhere and feel happy that my kids were there. And that was good enough for me. But over time, I started asking myself, okay, why am I doing this? Am I growing tremendously spiritually from this? And the truth be told, yes, there were some messages and sermons that just gripped me and, and captivated me and were so timely for me. I will not deny that, but can I say that I didn't get the same spiritual mentoring and the same spiritual teaching from a podcast I listened to or books that I read? No, it was the same. Swap one or out and it was the same. The only difference was that I was sitting with a group of people, whereas a podcast or a book, I'm usually by myself. So when you're sitting with a group of people and you're in that space where I was, where I didn't want to get to know any of these people, um, I kind of was like, what is the point? So that was when I took my, um, sabbatical sounds really fancy. Maybe I'm going to use that word. It makes it sound better than what it actually was. But the truth is, is that I checked out of church altogether. And that's the space I'm in right now. Because I realized that I didn't know how to make relationships outside of church. I realized that every close friend I've ever had came from church. Every 
family group that my kids were connected with came from church. Like every social community setting that I was used to was because of church. And if that has been your life's experience, you realize really fast that you do not have any tools of building real tribes and real connections with real people outside of church. That bothered me. And I decided that is not the kind of person I want to be. I want to be more well-rounded than that. And my spirituality and my spiritual growth has never been dependent on a person or a specific church or a specific pastor. I've, I've just not been that way. I grow really well internally doing hard spiritual work on my own. Me and God have had a long-standing relationship, and whether I'm in church or not in church does not affect that. In fact, I find that I hear God better in a more freer capacity outside of a church community than I did inside. Now, that's my experience. That may not be true for everyone, but for me, that is where I'm at. And I, I'll be honest with you guys, I miss it. And it's not that I miss... Um, necessarily all of the religious movements, all of the um, traditional aspects of it, although some of that is so beautiful. I do miss communion, for instance. That is such a beautiful practice, and I love it, and I miss that. Um, but I, I miss community. And I think for a lot of people that find themselves in a deconstructed space, that's like a thing I hear more often than not, is that they are missing community. And so that's part of my challenge to myself in leaving the church space for a while is that I want to learn how to have community that is not fundamentally centered on an agreed set upon beliefs. I believe that if I'm going to be the image of God to the people around me, if I'm going to be walking in the love of God that I say I believe in, then I should be able to form community with people who believe differently than me. I should be able to form tribes with people who aren't cut from the exact same cookie cutter as I am. Because that's where growth happens. Being in relationship with people who are different than you, who have different backgrounds than you, who have different perspectives, that is where we grow. And I've been so lucky to have friends along the way who are like that. Kirby is a perfect example of that. I had her on the show last week. And she even said in the show, we've never been in the same state for more than like three times. <laughs> we've never lived in the same state. But she and I met and connected and we have such a tight friendship that has lasted for about 10 years. And that has nothing to do with a centralized focus of beliefs. It has everything to do with a soul connection. And she has been such a tool that I will, I will say this, that God has definitely used to break me out of my tiny little sphere that I had lived in for so long. People who are different than you, people that come with different backgrounds and different worldviews, they're going to sharpen you. You know, that verse, um, iron sharpens iron. I think strong people sharpen each other. And you can be strong in different ways than me, right? People around you can offer strengths that you don't necessarily have. Maybe you're super strong in your faith, but this new friend of yours is super strong in their marriage. You can sharpen each other right? You both bring different assets to the table. That's community. That is 
this idea of sharing, this idea of tribe, this idea of doing life together, which was such a catchphrase in the church world. But it's true. Differences bring that health and that wholeness and can often save you from a very narrow, um, sometimes even cult-like mentality. I, I'm learning how to do this. I wish I had a thousand tips to give you on how to venture outside of church and start building relationships and building community without having to have this agreed foundation of beliefs. I'm learning because as sad as it is, I've not been given much opportunity to learn this. I was taught that anybody who didn't have the exact framework of beliefs that I had was somebody I had to fix, someone I had to witness to or change. I've let go of that. And so now it's just people in front of me that I get to love and that I get to learn from. Because I believe that every human in my life has the ability to teach me something. I've taken this posture of not knowing anything, which is so ironic because when you're a pastor, you usually take this posture of knowing everything. And now I'm in this place of not knowing anything where every person I meet, I'm like, what can I learn from them? Because I bet their story is very different from mine. I bet the tools and insights that they've picked up along the way I could learn from. And then the tools I've learned, maybe they could benefit from those, right? It's this idea of sharing. And so spitting this all back to this idea of church, is church necessary for that? No. Is church necessary for spiritual growth? No. Is church necessary to have a healthy community? No. It's not. But does church offer an ease of growing in spirituality, if you agree with what they're teaching? Well, yes. Does church offer a a group of people that you can connect with easily and that they push and foster relationships for you? Yes. And so if that, if you find a church that fits where you're comfortable aligning with their beliefs, oh my gosh, go for it. It's awesome. But if you're like me and you're kind of floating out in space and you don't know which churches or denominations you can align yourself with, I'm having to do it the hard way, the old fashioned way, the Jesus way, right? Like I'm having to just kind of build with the tools that I have. And I think that there is something beautiful about that. So my point is, whether you go to church or not, doesn't get you any marks in the whole scheme of eternity. Like, I don't think God is like, well, you didn't show up for church for the last 10 years. And so you're off my list, right? Like God isn't like that nor is your amount of spirituality weighted by how much you attend church. Because I can tell you, I've known plenty of people that attended church every time that the doors were open, and they are about as far away from the love and kindness and goodness of God that I've ever seen. So I promise you, whether or not you attend has nothing to do with your goodness or your godlikeness or your spiritual growth. Nothing. But if you do find a place that is a safe community that you feel you can invest in, awesome. I applaud that. I would love to find a place I feel like I can connect in. But right now, God is doing something in me being on the outside. God is sharpening me and working in me in ways that I didn't know were possible. Truthfully, there's such an expansive world 
outside of the small boxed faith that I was handed. And so for me in my journey, learning what divine love looks like, learning what acceptance and grace and inclusiveness feels and looks like, learning how to bridge gaps, learning how to love my neighbor really well. These are things I'm learning out here in the dark. And to me, these are gold. And I'm kind of angry that I missed this stuff, truthfully. Do I love the beauty of a functioning, healthy church? Yes and amen. Do I love the beauty and the health of a community outside of church that's flourishing? Yes and amen. Do I believe God can be present in a church? Yes and amen. Do I believe God can be present in people outside of church? Yes and amen a thousand times over. So I'm hoping no matter what your story is, no matter what path you're on as far as do I go to church or not go to a church? Do I want to switch denominations or not switch denominations? I think the bigger question is, where do I need to grow? Do I need to grow in my faith? Do I need to grow in spiritual things? Do I need to grow in a connection with the divine? If so, what is a good avenue for me to grow? Is it books? Is it podcasts? Is it other people? Is it a church? I think that's the question. Where do you need to grow? Do you need to grow in relationship with people? Do you need to stretch yourself in diversity? Whatever your answers are, I think that will tell you where you need to plant yourself, where you need to invest your time, where you need to invest your resources, where you need to invest your love and your attention and your care and your gifts. Because the thing is, is that all of us come to the table with things we can offer. And that's one thing that saddened me the most about my time in church. It seemed like there were the choice few that were able to use their gifts, if you will. And then everybody else just kind of had to like wait in the background to be called on. I hate that because I believe every single person has something to give. Everybody. So go somewhere, whether it be to your neighbor next door's house or the church down the street. I don't care what it is. Go somewhere where you can tap into the part of you that has something to give. Being generous is one of the most overlooked gifts and traits and characteristics of humans that is grossly forgotten. Being generous does something to you on the inside. No matter what shape it takes, when you are generous with your time and with what you're good at, It does something to you. Not only does it affect and benefit other people, but it does something to you. So go somewhere where you can be generous with things that you have to bring. Go somewhere where you can be sharpened by someone else's strengths who are different than yours. Go somewhere where you feel like you will belong. And I know that can be tricky because for a lot of you, you feel like an outlander. You feel like you're somebody skirting the outside and you're rebuilding from scratch. I get it. The last few years have felt the same way for me. But here's the deal. In simplifying my life, which included letting go of the idea of having to be at church every Sunday, I've been able to simplify my relationships too because now I have less to work with. And so I can really double down and dig into them and unearth some really good ones. So whatever path you are on, my hope and my prayer for you is that you ask yourself, where do I need 
to grow? In what areas of my life do I need to grow? And go from there. Simplify it. It doesn't need to be this complex. And most importantly, if you've been hurt, if you've been wounded, if you have been excommunicated, if you have gotten the letter of shame, the walk of shame from your church, your denomination, your group, and you're grieving that loss, I want to tell you that there is nothing wrong with you. I want to tell you that you are perfectly and wonderfully made and that that group is missing out. I want to tell you that even though they rejected you, there's a place that will receive you and embrace you and love you. Whether it's your neighborhood block party or the restaurant down the street or the bowling alley with the club that you like to belong to, whatever it may be, there's a place where you can fit in, I promise you. Just because that group doesn't want you doesn't mean that others will. And it doesn't mean that they're right in the way they treated you either. Sometimes the biggest rejections can become the biggest blessings. And I say that from a divorced perspective, from an ex-church perspective, I can tell you that some of the biggest rejections and hurts in my life ended up being the biggest gifts I could have received. I needed to get out of those places and out of those relationships. And I guess being pushed out was what I needed. All that being said, you are worthy of being loved and seen and known and connected with, and you are worthy of growing spiritually, even if it's on your own terms. And you're worthy of bringing things to the table that are received and appreciated. You're worthy of growing others as much as you need others to help you grow. You're worthy of being seen and known and loved because you are enough. Go in peace. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.